0: Welcome to Sage and Spirit, a podcast designed to nourish your mind, body, soul, and spirit. I'm your host, Anna-Claire Lottie, and I'm so grateful you're here. In this holistic wellness podcast, I'll be having candid conversations with others, exploring topics such as healing with plants, food as medicine, earth connection, spirituality, conscious entrepreneurship, and so much more. Thank you for being here and sharing in this journey with me. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Sage and Spirit Podcast. I took a week off last week just to go out of town and spend some time with family that we haven't seen in a couple of years. So feeling really refreshed and grateful to be back home and nestled into our little cove here in Western North Carolina outside of Asheville. And I'm really excited to bring you yet another episode today. And this one, we dive deep really quick. But before I tell you more about today's episode, a couple of housekeeping points. And the first thing is, as always, just to remind you that all of the information shared on this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. None of the information is meant to treat, diagnose, cure, or prevent any illness or disease, and I always highly recommend that you get in touch with a trusted healthcare practitioner before you make any changes to your diet, your supplements, or before ingesting any herbs or mushrooms. That being said, I also want to share with you, if you haven't yet heard, my dear friend, Sandra Hamilton of Osha Mays Herbal and myself are going to be hosting a magical retreat in the beautiful Sacred Valley of Peru this fall. We welcome you and invite you to join us November the 29th through December the 8th of 2021. As we gather this group together in an effort to build community, to deepen our connection with ourselves and with the earth, and to really immerse ourselves in the culture of the high Andes of Peru, of the beautiful, welcoming, friendly, and generous people that live in the area, and We really, our focus on this trip is to connect with the plants, to learn more about the plants that grow around us and the plants that grow worldwide that can support us in our health, in our wellness, and in our daily lives on so many different levels. On this trip, we're going to be journeying to sacred sites alongside local guides and medicine men and women We'll be doing authentic ceremonies from the Quero community um, with, with teachers from the Quero community. We will be having some herbal and plant spirit medicine workshops, going out on hikes in the beautiful Andes Mountains. We'll do a new moon circle and meditation. We'll have all kinds of amazing, delicious, organic Peruvian food. We'll learn more about the different weavings Um, of the area and we will actually meet with a family who is going to show us all about their weavings and how they make their textiles the symbolism that is woven into those pieces of cloth and also the natural plant dyes that they use in order to bring out these brilliant colorful hues there's so much that we're excited for about this trip And most of all, Sandra and I just really want to share our love of Peru with you. So if this sounds up your alley, if Peru has always been on your bucket list, or if you simply just want to take a vacation and learn more about yourself and about healing and about plants, then this might be an amazing opportunity for you. If you're interested, feel free to go to the TRIP website to learn more you can visit www.dancingsagewellness.com retreats, where you'll find all of the information, including the investment, what's included, what's not. And you'll also find a link there to fill out the trip application if you're ready to take the next steps. If you have any questions at any time, I invite you to email me with anything that comes up for you. And you can reach me at info at dancingsagewellness.com. No question is too small or too large. I'm always happy to talk about Peru in case you haven't yet noticed that. So please feel free to reach out with any questions or concerns that you may have. Speaking of Peru, my guest today on today's episode is actually joining us live from Peru. Uh, my guest today is Win Mallard, who is a dear friend and fellow Virgo And I actually met Wynne through um, a mutual acquaintance a few years ago. I stayed at her bed and breakfast that she was running at the time in the beautiful town of Ollantaytambo, Peru, in the Sacred Valley. And though she has now um, dropped that business and is doing other things in the Sacred Valley, she is still living in the area in Pisac, Peru. And today we're diving super deep and talking about some kind of taboo subjects as far as death and what happens when we die. And I really appreciate the perspective that Wen is coming from and all that she brings to the table. Um, she is a very grounded person, very grounded in reality, and also a seeker and a student of esoteric wisdom and ancient knowledge and she really just brings all of these aspects together to talk about this subject that in my honest opinion we need to be talking about more in our society if you listened to last week's episode or the the previous episode on breathwork denise cooper and i talk a little bit about how the topic of death is often avoided in our culture And sometimes because of that, because of things that we don't understand or that we have fear around, it can make them a lot more challenging to deal with when they come up for us in our lives, whether it's with loved ones, with family members, with friends, whatever the case may be. So today, Wen and I are discussing this topic that I find incredibly intriguing. And that is how to die before you die so that you don't die when you die. And that might seem a little bit confusing at first, but I promise once we get started into this conversation, I think that you'll be able to follow along and see where we're coming from and what we're talking about here. We talk about all different kinds of topics within today's episode, ranging from esoteric topics to divine, feminine um, we talk about how per, how Wynne left the United States 11 years ago on what she determined was her midlife spiritual adventure. And turns out 11 years later, she's still living in Peru, which I can totally understand because I have definitely felt that calling more than one time since my first visit to uh, these beautiful and sacred lands. But we talk about the two different kinds of paths that um, really shine through in Peruvian culture. And that's the path of the ancestral or shamanic path. And then the other path that goes along with that is the solar path or the Gnostic path, which was also the path of the Inca. We talk about how the Inca was not necessarily a race of people, but more of a level of consciousness that was attained in those people who were living in those times. We talk about the chispa divina, which is a divine spark or the eternal self that we all have, that we're all born with, that is essentially our soul essence that goes with us from life, lifetime to lifetime and what it means to work with different psychological aggregates, what it means to work with our ego and to raise our consciousness while at the same time lowering the ego. So this might sound a little bit out there for some of you, but hang in there. I promise a juicy conversation ahead for you. And um, again, I just really hope that you all get a lot out of this episode. It was fascinating for me to have this conversation with Wynn and I'm really excited to share it with you all. So I hope you enjoy. And without further ado, here we are with Wynne Mallard. Hello, Nguyen, welcome to Sage and Spirit. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you, Anna-Claire.
1: It is an honor and a pleasure to be with you.
0: Uh, I always enjoy having conversation with you, so I'm so glad that we could make this happen and really appreciate you joining us today all the way from the Sacred Valley of Peru, one of my favorite places in the world. Yeah, mine too. I know. I know I can't wait to come visit again and see you and all our other friends down there. So I'm really excited to talk about uh, this topic that we have kind of keyed in on today, and that is how to die before you die. So you don't die when you die. And so I think this is going to be really fun to explore together. And I also think that this is probably going to be a very different topic for a lot of people so um, definitely encouraging open minds and hearts here as we delve into this topic. But before we do that, I'd love to just start a little bit um, with some of your story, who you are and how you got to where you are and studying these topics that you are these days.
1: Okay, thanks, Anna-Claire. Um, well, let's see, I, I guess... Um, I can start with transitioning from being um, the rock and roll gal Um, that was a chunk of my younger years. Um, And I started finding it, um, you know, sort of uh, leading only to a certain level of where I wanted to go. So I started exploring spiritually so you could say kind of left um the more sort of rock and roll world to start on my spiritual path um kind of in my late 20s and ended up um finding a sort of eco-spiritual work at first um living in a place called earth song in athens georgia for a while and that led me to earth haven eco village outside Asheville, um where i started studying permaculture and got into a lot of um, sort of uh, divine feminine goddess culture work along with the permaculture. And that led me, interestingly enough, to um, more esoteric work, even um, the Christian esoteric. I ended up going to Saint Sophia Seminary, a esoteric Christian seminary, um, while I was there in Asheville, I moved from Earthhaven Eco Village into Asheville to a place called Hanger Hall and got involved with Jubilee community there for a little while, which was very rewarding and expansive for me and found Santa Sophia and did that work. And then um, along came uh, some shamanic work brought from Peru. So I started working um, with some plant spirit guide work. And ended up coming down to Peru 11 years ago for what I thought was going to be a three-month trip. Um, I call I was calling it my midlife spiritual adventure. And I ended up landing in an amazing little village that's called the Living Inca, the last living Inca village um, called Ollantaytambo. And I just never left. (laughs) I ended up opening a little um, bed and breakfast with a local man. And um, he and I got married eventually. And it was an amazing, amazing experience. And I learned a lot. Um, Also very challenging. um, But... It's the challenging moments that teach us the most often, isn't it? And and, um, so now I'm over in another part of the valley um, in Pizac, which is feeling really good, too. And yeah, just kind of after being, I guess you could say kind of exploring the shamanic or what I call the Earth path um, that is represented here in Peru. For me, the reason why Peru is really special um, and why so many people just come here and just fall in love is because it it, it is comprised of two very profound, um, deep spiritual paths, one of which is the more ancestral path, the earth path, um, this, you know, what is called shamanic path, though, there's lots of controversy around that word. Um, and it's very earth based, working with earth energies, the living energies of the planet, working with the, the plants, um, and uh, it's it's an amazing. I'm working with the elements, the four elements, um, and it's an amazing, amazing part of the spiritual foundation of Peru. And the other path that is here is the solar path which is um uh what one could call a gnostic path and that um path is the path of the inca who were um, inca means enlightened one And they were enlightened beings that came here and created amazing um, mystery schools um, and amazing temples and brought uh, an enlightened culture to the area. Now, they degraded over time, as all the enlightened cultures of the world have at some, you know, eventually. Um, But they brought amazing things to this world. So you have this Inca path alongside this, um, which is the solar path, um, the sun worshipers. And then you have the earth path, more the earthy earth worshipers. And they sort of sit side by side here. And so it's an incredible combo. And I think it has a a beautiful effect on people and certainly has on me.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you so much for that. And I love that description and just kind of how you laid that out for us. And I can say from experience that it has absolutely had an effect on me. And I 100% understand how you ended up never leaving Peru. (laughs) If it weren't for, you know, my dogs here in the States, my husband and I probably would have settled in Peru a long time ago. Um, upon our first visit, really, and Oyan Tetambo, where you lived for so long and where we first met, um, is such a special place. And you you really can feel that thread of of history and just the richness of the culture and everything that you're mentioning is is really palpable in that area, um, at least in my experience. So I love that you mentioned that. And um, wow, 11 years. I didn't realize it was 11 years already that you had been in Peru. I know. It's wild, huh? It is. Yeah. And so, you know, I definitely when I first started visiting Peru, I, you know, I knew of the Incas coming from mostly just history lessons. I didn't really know much otherwise. Um, And there's not a whole lot that we were taught in American schools about Inca culture, Um, But I knew that when I first got to Peru, there was something very different that I wanted to explore more deeply. And so that's part of what keeps bringing me back. I think, you know, just the um, the the land there, the sacred sites, the the energy, the feelings, um, but also these paths that you're talking about with the sort of ancestral shamanic earth path. And then the solar path and the path of the Inca, and I think I remember hearing once, and I don't know if you could speak to this, but um, I remember hearing that certain cultures that we hear about, like the Inca and the Maya, that they weren't actually necessarily races, like a lot of people tend to think or learn, but they're more, like you said, an enlightened uh, group of people. Like the the consciousness level is is really what we're talking about when we talk about these groups of people. It's do I have that understanding correct?
1: Yes, I would say that's right on, Anna Claire. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we've we've known different enlightened cultures or civilizations throughout the world. Ancient Egypt, for example, ancient China, um, many examples throughout the ages of these, um, enlightened cultures and then enlightened masters beings, you know, as well. Um, so they often come in as, you know, an individual or as a group, as a, as a civilization. And I definitely think you're right on. It's not about race. It's about consciousness level. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting concept and one that I think is um, sort of a newer one for a lot of people. When I first heard that, it was kind of mind-blowing for me. I was like, oh, wait, that's not really what I had in my head at all. So it's a really interesting perspective and and way of looking at things, I think. Um, So you have been studying more of this Gnostic path for quite a few years now, getting deeper into that work, studying with some teachers in Peru and... um, I'd love to hear a little bit more. I know it was probably a month or so ago that I was on social media and sort of scrolling through and came across one of your videos that you had recorded for your friends and community. And you were talking about this concept that we are going to sort of launch into here today. And it was really fascinating to me just to hear, you know, I think it was like maybe a five minute clip or something, but it brought up a lot for me in just especially in our Western culture, how we view death and how a lot of times it's this really taboo subject, um, which is quite interesting to me because as we all know, eventually all of us will reach that point in our lives where we, we are at the door of death. We're crossing this threshold and it seems that there's a lot of fear around this. And I think a lot of that comes from misunderstanding because we don't really get what that process is all about. We just know that it's a loss um, or at least maybe that's the way that a lot of us view it. You know, when, when someone who's close to us passes on or transitions, it can be such a huge, um, you know, change in our lives and we miss people. And so I'm just really excited to kind of dive into this topic and I'd love to hear where you're coming from on this topic and this whole notion of dying before we die so that we don't die when we die so maybe you can kind of start to unpack that a little bit
1: (laughs) sure um yeah i mean uh this is you know, you and I could talk about this for weeks on end, really. Um, (laughs) I know we could. um, But um, we'll we'll give a a little synopsis here. Um, Let me back up a little bit. And when we were talking about um, the Inca being not a race, but a level of consciousness. So what do we mean when we say consciousness? Um, And so... Basically, in the Gnostic teachings or in the Inca teachings, what we talk about is we um, come in, uh, we well, even let me back up a little more. Um, one of the main differences that I realized in terms of sitting with these two spiritual paths here in Peru compared to the United States culture, which is the other culture that I've known m- 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 most of my life, of course, um, is the difference between a m- mystical culture and a materialistic culture. Okay, so in the United States, um, we are very, very focused on the material aspect of the world. So we got to remember when we when we're focused on the material aspect of the world, uh, we are focused on a very small part of what's really going on. Okay, so each one of your cells in your body, the material matter in each cell is, you can compare to an orange in a football field. So the football field is space or energy. The orange is the material matter, okay? So what we've done in the materialistic cultures is just focused on that orange in the football field. In the mystical cultures, they focus on the whole thing. They don't lo- They 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 totally relate to and work with the orange, the material aspect, and also are working with the whole rest of the football field. Um, what you can call the world of energy, the unseen world, uh, the world of um, uh, of of beingness. Yeah. Um, And so uh, one of the most important things is to realize that these cultures that were founded in um, this more mystical way of working with the world uh, had mystery schools as opposed to churches. So schools where one went to work on themselves, to work more with this world of energy, the unseen world, uh, to develop themselves. So kind of what I'm learning is what was taught in these mystery schools. Um, so the, And the Inca had mystery schools all over the place, all these beautiful, amazing archaeological sites that you can go to when you're touring around down here that they'll tell you were fortresses or other things. Really, once you start um, getting into the work, you realize they were all temples, which were mystery schools. So the whole population had the availability of doing this work. OK, um, and when in these in these schools you were taught about consciousness, what that was was that <clears throat> when we come into being in this third dimensional material world, OK, we come in as a, a divine spark down here, it's called Chispa Dabina, divine spark. And this divine spark that is your eternal self that never dies, that's never, it's, it's part, it comes from uh, the pure potential of the universe. So it was never created and can never be destroyed, this aspect of yourself. And this incarnates into this realm and takes on a body and a personality. So what we that's what we call consciousness or beingness or chispa um, divina, divine spark. So when we talk about cultures that were conscious or more conscious, what we're talking about is cultures where um, or persons where the work, the effort, the focus, was developing this divine spark to be bigger because it comes in very small and so part of the mystery school the one of the main aspects of the mystery school is how you work to grow your divine spark uh, so that you raise it up 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 and that's your consciousness so when we say a higher a different level of consciousness or a higher level of consciousness, that's what we're talking about. It's your it some people call it the God seed. So it's the, it's the divinity that is in you. Now you also have your personality and your body. <clears throat> your personality and your body are temporary. They just are for this one lifetime. So when mallard in this particular body born in Atlanta, Georgia, um, to the specific parents I was born into the community I was born into the church I was born into all that's my personality. And that's only dependent on this one lifetime. It's like our GPS machine. We just have it to guide us through this third dimensional material realm. It's not something for us to get super over focused on it's uh it's it's a tool for us to use the body and the personality of course we want to take care of them and we want to develop them to a degree that they're better gps machine for us we don't want to just let them peter out or something but we don't want to like put tons and tons of focus and energy into knowing this aspect of ourselves, really, because it's temporary. It's our—it's like, if if your car, you bought this new car, and it had a little GPS machine, and that's all you cared about was the GPS machine. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, but that's what happens in the materialistic culture, because we aren't aware We don't have enough focus because the the chispa dibina, the divine spark, the consciousness is part of this unseen mystical world. So instead of focusing on the aspect of ourselves that is infinite and eternal and truly who we are, according to the mystery schools. uh, We focus on this very temporary, very small material aspect of ourselves and the world at large. So that's a big, big difference um, between the mystical cultures and the materialistic cultures. And um, do you have a question?
0: no i was just i really appreciate that explanation um and i love the the sort of the orange and the football field analogy because um as you know being a virgo as well i'm a virgo and a lot of times it's really easy to me uh for me to really like hone in on details and it can be a little bit more of a challenge sometimes, or a little, it takes a little bit more of me focusing on things to be able to zoom out. And so that's kind of what I was thinking of when you were mentioning the orange and the football field, and even just like the GPS analogy too, because to me, it seems like this is a greater metaphor for the inner work versus the outer the outer work or the outer outer world. And it is in our culture, um, at least here in the US, which is obviously the one that I'm most familiar with, um, we, we focus a lot on the outside world. And there's, so, there's always so much going on that there's plenty to focus on out there, right? Um, and a lot of people these days are talking about doing some of the inner work and that sort of thing. But I, I think that it's still not as commonly accepted or not as well known. And so what you're talking about with these mystery schools, I think it's so fascinating that a lot of these uh, cultures were really actually more focused on the inner work and that that was sort of their whole, what they were striving for in their time on this plane was to really go inward and to grow this chispa like you're talking about. So I just wanted to kind of interject that because it, it got my mind thinking about where I am, where I'm coming from, the people that I know around me. Um, and it makes a lot of sense using those analogies. So I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you, Anna-Claire. That's great. Yeah, and that's
1: perfect to kind of, work with the wording inner and outer worlds, um, because yeah, exactly. The, the idea that we are constantly working with the outer world actually is kind of keeps us on a hamster wheel kind of, because really the way to shift the outer world is by shifting our inner world.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What's happening outside of ourselves in our materialistic world, the outer world, is representative of what's going on inside of us. And that's as individuals and as a collective. So when we look at the world at large right now and look at, you know, the the degradation and disempowerment that is happening. Um, to this human collective, uh, then we can have an understanding of what's going on in the inner world of each person. Because what's going on in the inner world of each person is represented in the outer world. So the mystery schools knew that to really make true change in your life as an individual and in the life of the collective be it a culture or civilization or the world at large right now um, you have to do the inner work and as you said there's lots of people that have an interest in this and are wanting to make this happen and there's very little um information out there well there's in some ways there's lots of information out there um, in terms of how to do it and there's lots of paths Um, and to actually do the work the reason why the inca and other places had mystery schools was because it's really hard to do if you're not in a school some kind of a setting that really really encourages the work especially nowadays Mm -hmm. Uh, So the idea that we're, you know, living our life, paying the bills, most people taking care of children or family, uh, it's it's a real it's a big challenge to actually go this path to walk this path of moving yourself to where the inner world is your focus. Uh, and and there and it's swimming upstream big time, especially you know in Western material cultures. It's like you're having to just fight the current and all the other salmon, you know, (laughs) because constantly, (laughs) um, because everything in our world, you know, our television media, you know, our conversations, uh, what everybody is focused on pretty much is the outer world. We might have a meditation practice for a little bit each day. We might do some great healing work. That's part of our, and that's beautiful. And that's definitely, um, moving us in that direction and it's um uh, uh st teresa de Avila in her book interior castle is a beautiful quote where she says you know you can tell me who your material mother and father are um where you were born um into this material world um you know the address of your house Um, in this material world. But what can you tell me about your interior world? What can you, who are your mother and father? Do you know your mother and father um, for your, your Chispa Dabina? Because of course, just like our material self, our body personality has a mother and father, our consciousness our chispa divina our divine spark also has a mother and father um do you know who they are do you know where your your divine self comes from um all these questions and so we don't and and it's never been anything that we've been guided to have a sense of because we've been in these materialistic cultures uh so it's no wonder <laughs> um but um the more for me the more i and i'm a baby i mean i just have to say i'm in kindergarten here um because and also i'm like you yeah virgo it's it's been quite the challenge for me to get out of my mind and the details of the third material world and let them go and raise up um, to a different perspective to a grander perspective um, so I'm, I know I'm so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a long way to go, baby. Kind of <laughs> Don't short we all? time to get there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, um, but so I just want to put that out there. Like I'm, I'm a babe, you know, on this path. Um, but when I found it, um, like really getting the sense of what the Incas were working with, you know, and it was just such a resonance for me. Um, and. Um, I feel like the more we can get it out there, the more it will be a resonance for other people. We just haven't had access really to these teachings until recently. Uh, And so,
0: yeah, let's all, let's all make mystery schools. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. And you know, those questions that you mentioned from that book, uh, Interior Castle, I feel like those are questions that a lot of us have probably never even encountered before. Why would we think about the answers to them when we haven't even considered that they're questions to begin with, right? Right. Well, that's what I'm saying, because in our
1: materialistic cultures, this hasn't been, you know, in a mystical culture, say the culture of the Inca, this would be kindergarten, Mm. This is where they start, you know, in education. Um, but in the materialistic culture where we've just been focused on the orange and the football field, there's no point in it. Right. And so we haven't had the opportunity. Um, and now I think um, that we've entered the Aquarian age. And we've entered into this um, place of self reflection of humanity as a global community due to the internet and what's especially with the, the pandemic um, and really seeing this connection amongst all of us. Um, I think it's kind of. Uh, obvious to a lot of us, like, this is where we have to go. Um, Because we see that the outside really needs to change. We're not in a good state of being. And you can't change a problem from the same level of consciousness that created the problem. Buckminster Fuller, I am pretty Mm -hmm. sure. Um, (laughs) So we have to change our consciousness. So when I say that, what that means, we have to raise our chispa de Bina. we have to make it bigger so to make it bigger what do we lower well we can lower you know a, a, an intense focus on the body and personality we want to we want to keep the body strong and healthy so we want to focus enough on that for that and we want to know our personality so that we uh we navigate this realm with it in a good way um, but the other two aspects um, the, the consciousness um, and the ego um, are the sort of um, battling or dueling um, banjos we've got in ourselves. So when I say ego, I, because there's lots of definitions and this totally relates to our theme of the day. So basically, um, in, in the wisdom teachings, in the mystery schools, it was taught, is taught that we come in with the body personality, they kind of lump those together as one aspect, um, the consciousness, the chispa divina, the divine spark, and the ego. And when we die, when our physical material body dies, what dies is the body and the personality. Those are the two things that are temporary that we just we just put on for this time, this ride through the material dim- third dimensional world. What continues on is the consciousness and the ego. Um, now, when I say ego, what i'm talking about is um what is known in the buddhist teachings as um, psychological aggregates what is known in the esoteric christian teachings as the seven deadly sins um and what is known in other realms as as psychological defects more like um uh, you know, sort of in current day psychology, we call them psychological defects. Also, you can call it the shadow when we talk about shadow work <clears throat> and what these are are um, uh, sort of the, the antithesis to the consciousness, whereas the consciousness, our divine spark, our divine seed um, is based in generosity Our psychological aggregate is based in greed, whereas our consciousness is based in altruism, thinking of others before ourselves, our ego is based in self absorption and envy. Yeah. Um, Whereas our consciousness is based in love and um, compassion, our ego is based in fear and hate. So what it is when we say we want to um, raise our consciousness, we want to raise the the God seed within us. And at the same time, we have to be doing the shadow work. We have to be looking at our psychological aggregates and we have to lower them. So in the mystery realm, they talk about that, uh, you know, self-realization is what a spiritual master um, is able to uh, get to. Self-realization, meaning the self, the divine spark the true self becomes 100% and the ego becomes 0%. So we talk about um, Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, Muhammad, Hercules, Joan of Arc, the Inca, the Maya, all these um, enlightened beings and enlightened cultures or self-realized beings or cultures. Their consciousness was at a hundred percent and their ego was at zero percent. Now, when we look at the global culture of the world today, right now, what we're basically looking at as a collective humanity as a whole, we're at around like 3% consciousness and 97% ego. Wow. <laughs> so what that So what that means is yes we have these beautiful qualities popping up this generosity this love especially in certain communities where you know you would say they are high more higher consciousness communities, um, like Asheville, like PESAC, um, where they these qualities are getting nurtured more. And with the world at large, how it's running right now, it's running based on greed and envy, and gluttony, and lust, and hate, and fear, and jealousy, and all these, what we call psychological aggregates, or ego, is what is driving the ship of this humanity, and as a collective, and really acknowledge, and this is really hard, because we've been conditioned to not want to look at these aspects of ourselves as individuals or as a collective. And, there, and we have to realize too, like, you know, a lot of this stuff is subconscious. On the conscious level, we might not see it. It's kind of like the tip of the iceberg that's sticking out above the water. That's, you know, a very, we're conscious of a very small aspect of what's really going on within us right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you have this huge bit of the iceberg that's below the water. That's what's going on subconsciously. And we have to remember that the shadow, these psychological aggregates, defects are deep down within us because the ego has been following us into each lifetime. So each what continues on from lifetime to lifetime is our consciousness and our ego so the the these egoic aspects of ourselves are old they've been following us for a long time and they're very deeply entrenched inside of us to where we don't see them we think we're good people and we're doing the right thing and we're and because we're unaware of the aspects of ourselves, these shadow aspects of ourselves, um, because they're so deeply embedded. So at first, we just have to realize that and we have to come to terms with that. And any kind of shame that comes up, we just have to let it go because it's blocking our progress. If we look to blame, oh, well, I can't help it. I was born into this culture, whatever. We have to let that go because it doesn't help us. So shame and blame are two things that really um, deflect our progress in this psychological um, aspect. So when we go to, um, if we die before we die, then we won't die when we die. What are we talking about there? Um, We're talking about a mystical death and the material death. So there's, there's the potential for two kinds of death to happen. And the one kind of death is just going to happen no matter what, that's our material death when our body and our personality go. Mm -hmm. Okay. The mystical death is the potential to have these psychological aggregates die. So it's an ass. So it's, it's the potential. So if we die before we die, that means if we have a mystical death before we have our physical material death, mystical death is that we are lowering the ego, raising the consciousness. We are letting uh, compassion guide us more than lust. We are having generosity guide us more than greed. We are having um, uh, productivity, our, our energy, uh, being an, living an energetic life, guide us more than living a lazy life. So all these aspects, we let love guide us more than fear and hate. So we're raising, 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 raising these aspects of the consciousness, the God seed and lowering the psychological aggregates until it gets 100% consciousness 0% psychological aggregates and that's a mystical death and so, that
0: like you were saying we have a, a long way to go and a short time to get there <laughs> if yeah. we're coming from 3% and we're trying to get this up to 100% you know then yes let's let's get to work right um i wanted to just kind of ask real quick too um i Definitely, there is some sort of um, confusion and controversy around the word shaman being that it's coming from an actual particular place and tradition in space and time. And a lot of times that word is just sort of used as is more of a blanket word for some of these different practices. Um, But I have heard people refer to something called a shamanic death, and it seems like it's pretty much along the same lines of what you're talking about. It's more death of the ego, death of these psychological aggregates so to speak would you say that that oftentimes if we hear that sort of tom- terminology that it's along the same lines as uh what you're discussing here um to a degree
1: yes anna claire there's um i m- most often when we talk about uh, uh of a shamanic death we're talking about um some level of altered consciousness be, via plant or fasting, you know, long-term dancing and fasting, vision questing, these kind of things that really help us understand and really see the difference between our consciousness and our personality ego. Okay, so basically, um, the 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 deaths we can. Um, Sorry for that. I I, I usually never have that little notice thing on. Um, Sorry. Um, So usually, like, um, can I just talk about ayahuasca? Is that okay? Um, So um, the work with ayahuasca, which is the major death practice, because what you'll find is in most indigenous cultures, they had death practices.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So
1: um, they actually had places or um, states, states of altered consciousness where they went to have a sense of what it feels like for your consciousness to leave your body and personality. What happens when we die? Mm -hmm. Um, and I have, you know, I have a little book called death is a miracle, um, and that describes my, um, experience midwifing my father's death. He took to his deathbed, um, and was there for 10 months Mm -hmm. and it was an amazing journey to witness and, um, experience with him. And what was so obvious to me was he, he would, it was so sweet and endearing because he would like. Be kind of squinching up his face and like trying to let go and surrender, to where he allowed his consciousness to leave his body and his personality, and he just was like, "How do you do it, Wendy? How do you do it? I don't know how to do it." And I was like, "Oh, Daddy, you know." And so this is one of the things in in the material cultural world because we are um, So focused on that, this death of the body and personality is this final ending. We don't have a sense that no, our consciousness journeys on. And in the shamanic death practices, what is really given is this, uh, you realizing what it feels like. For your consciousness to leave your body and kind of how to let go enough to do it the altered state kind of pushes us into it kind of pushes us into this level of surrender that we don't normally do in material culture that's one thing about the material culture world is it's it's very much based in control Mm-hmm. There's a lot more of allowing chaos in the mystical cultures, um, and so part of the material culture is we want to control everything. We want to control ourselves. We have a hard time with letting go, a hard time with surrender. It's why we've created a lot of um, force letting go and surrender in our lives via divorce, losing jobs, stuff like that. You know, um, because we don't have mystical practices to help us learn how to do it, um, but the indigenous cultures always have. So that's the shamanic death as I know it, is just this uh, availability to understand and feel what it's like in the moment of our material death and how it works. So then, and then you get a sense of what's on the other side as well in the shamanic work um you know you all of a sudden you're you're in this world of unity and just because your consciousness just goes back to the world of energy mm-hmm. outside of the constrictions of the body and personality and it's a great liberation feeling so all of a sudden you're like oh why would i ever be afraid of death my consciousness continues on it's actually more free in this sort of going back to the world of energy, and it feels very blissful, you know. And so um, that and and that's that's the importance of that practice, I think. And ve- and it's very very important um, for people because certainly the main fear that is driving this humanity right now is of death. You just see it with the pandemic. I mean, people would choose this um, this very intense sort of regime of of lockdowns and everything else um, only because we're so afraid of death right now. So definitely the shamanic practice is important. The 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 mystical death is, I would say, different and I would say there's aspects of it that can happen within the shamanic work Um, and it's not as accentuated it's not talked about um, there aren't guidelines there are some you know sometimes you'll have the shadow work accompanying the shamanic work that's so great a lot of times not Um, certainly being Down here in Peru, very much exposed to a lot of the shamanic world that's here. Um, Most of the practitioners, which very rarely do, does anyone call themselves a shaman anymore, that are in terms of like the local people I know here. Mm-hmm. Um, that work in these practices, they say the plant is the shaman and they are the guide mm-hmm. or now you will have some um, people here in the mountains, there's a the, uh, a different kind of shamanic work um, that's the, you know, the caro base where they work with the living energy and they'll call themselves Pacos or priests um in that realm um and part of the reason why i was so grateful to find the gnostic inca path because it gave this key it gave this very crucial key of what mystical death is how to work on it how to do it so so if you die before you die if you have a mystical death before you have your material death then you won't die when you die, so that means you you realize your consciousness is who you truly are, and that gets to this hundred percent, and of course that carries on for eternity. So it doesn't matter if your if your material body and your personality go, you know, you still carry on in this form because you're at a hundred percent. And I just want to say, Anna Claire, you mentioned beautifully that. How do we go from 3% to 100% kind of idea? And looking at the work is almost like, why do we even bother? You know, it's, it's so daunting and it's, it, it feels so big. And it doesn't matter um, if we get to 100% or not right now is what the teachings say. Just if we are doing the work and really making it happen, then we are, um, not just going to improve our own lives, but we're doing amazing work for this humanity because if just, if just the whole world got to like 10% consciousness, this place would be a, com- it would be a completely different scenario. Right. From what, what a remarkable is, yeah.
0: improvement. I mean, that's, that would be huge. Exactly. It and would it, be, it makes me think of, um, like the the thought of the the native americans some of the native american traditions talking about the seven generations and and leaving the earth in a particular way for those who follow whoever that may be whenever that may be yes exactly
1: but also you will find as you do this work your inner work your outer world will improve they also talk about this work as the work to move beyond suffering because it is the psychological aggregates that cause us suffering. So the more we lower them, so it, as an individual, it will make your life better off, you know, and as for the seven generations, it's crucial right now, um, because we've got to raise our collective consciousness or, you know, we're a runaway train wreck. I mean, we're we're, just, we're destroying our sweet mother planet, you know, the the way we treat each other, the things we idealize and focus on in the world right now. I mean, it's we're we're a mess uh, and, and it's because we're at three percent consciousness. That's why, you know, it's our internal it's the aspect of our internal selves that is creating the external world. So the internal work, it's just like Gandhi said, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. We have to do our internal work um, to make a shift for ourselves as individuals and this, this collective. And, of course, for Mother Earth, um, really for the universe, you know, because we we have a huge effect on the universe at large. And so... Um, It's hard. It's not easy. Um, It's really hard to look at these things. You know, when my one of my main psychological aggregates is pride that I've been noticing a lot. Um, And uh, especially being in this very humble culture, that's one thing. It's really hard when we stay in the bubble of our of our um, personality, ego—it's been—it's been a really great blessing, but very challenging for me to get outside of my cultural bubble because I landed in a very, very different culture. To where they're extremely humble people here, um, very patient people. Um, mm-hmm. I had a lot of pride and impatience, um, which comes, you know, not just from my family but my community and my culture. Um, and so then I landed here and could really see these aspects of myself so much bigger than I'd ever noticed before because of the juxtaposition and it was hard. I was so ashamed at first and I didn't want to look at them and I'd try to find excuses and cover them up and, and, you know, just horrible. (laughs) So, you know, but once you start getting into it, you get to this place and get over those aspects because you realize they are just blocking me and keeping me back. Then one starts celebrating. Oh, look at me being lazy right now. I see it. I celebrate this. Oh, look at my fear right now. I am going to feel the fear and do it anyway and move through it and shine with love. So, you know, the, the work is just, it's 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 such a process (laughs) and it's so rewarding on so many levels. So even though it's hard and it feels daunting and all the rest, um, to die before you die, so you don't die when you die, is just uh, I I I think is a amazing way to sort of step into things and really start making shifts for ourselves and the collective.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I I'm so grateful to you for for bringing it up in this way that is. Um, accessible and digestible, I mean, again, even though it, it might be somewhat new information for a lot of people, I think the way that you're presenting it and the analogies and the metaphors really help to frame it up and to, you know, it's also making me think of This term that that some people here, at least in the States, are talking about with spiritual bypassing and how, you know, there's there's so many aspects of ourselves that we see what's happening and we just want everything to be better. We want it to be better as soon as possible. And so we just want to love it and light it and just transmute it and transform it. And that all sounds really beautiful and glorious, but not everything actually tends to work in that way. And like you're saying, we actually have to look at these shadow aspects of ourselves first so that then the collective can start to, you know, begin the process of looking at its big shadows. And if, if we're not able to do that work or willing to do that work, we, it's a lot harder. We really can't sort of climb those rungs up to higher consciousness and lower ego because we're not looking at the, at the full picture.
1: Exactly. That's a beautiful synopsis, Anna Claire. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know, you know, like we said at the beginning, we could talk about this for days and weeks <laughs> and um, but for today's you know, purposes, we'll we'll kind of shore it up a little bit and just give this tidbit of information for people to chew on and marinate with a bit. And um, I wonder if there are any sources that you might point people to if they wanted to begin to learn more about gnosticism or this particular path are there any books or websites that you're really into or that maybe sort of were a catalyst for your journey down this path yes um
1: definitely i um uh, go to a school or i i school myself um at a great website called glorian.org G l o r i a n org Uh, amazing amazing website and then they've got um some links to some other websites doing this work um and so i would recommend starting there it's free all their courses and lectures they have hundreds top-notch top-notch work um for free they ask for donations if you can but it's it's you know it's it's free and um yeah i would start there um I'm putting out uh, little videos like you mentioned at the beginning, starting to create a small, uh, well, it's a new project called Soul Seed School of Ecological and Esoteric Design. And right now I'm just putting these videos out on my Facebook page and my Telegram. Um, if you're interested or have any questions or um, any feedback or anything, you can find me at Winmallard, Mallard, W-I-N-N-M-A-L-L-A-R-D, at gmail.com. And I'd be delighted to point you in any other directions if you wish. and. Um, yeah, Anna Claire, I'm super grateful for um, you doing this beautiful podcast work and 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 being of service uh, to your community in this way. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, thank you, Wen. And I have to say, I'm always inspired by our conversations and. It's just such a blessing to know you and to call you a dear sister and friend of mine. And I, I just always so appreciate your wisdom. And, and thank you for sharing the website with everyone. I think that sounds like a really uh, great way for people to start tuning into some of this work and learning a little bit more about it. And thank you also for sharing your email address for people to reach out if they have questions, if they want to you know, learn more and dive deeper. Um, It's such important work, especially for these times, like you mentioned. And so I am just really grateful for everyone who is even has a spark of interest in this path and exploring it more for themselves and really for the betterment of, of humanity in general as we move forward through all of these interesting times that we're navigating. So thank you so much, Wyn. And I do have one more question for you today that I like to ask all of my podcast guests. And that is, what is nourishing you right now on any level?
1: wow that's a great question anna claire well what is nourishing me i you know doing this work really is nourishing me um once you start getting into it there's um many many practices because the main thing about the gnostic work that i didn't mention is it's uh wisdom through experience so not through just the intellect just the study but actual practices So getting up in the morning and making the meditation, the mantras, the prayer happen. Um, right now, I'm also sipping on some ginger lemon, local honey tea that is really nourishing me. And I'm, I'm really wanting, I guess the more I step into truly figuring out how I can be of service, Right now, at this time to this humanity, the more nourished I feel. So like putting out these little videos, talking to you, um, doing some other work I've done recently, going up into the mountains here and being with the Campesino people. And seeing how I can help them. Um, I have a lot of God children here in Peru whose families are having a really hard time right now. So really helping them as much as I can. So being of service right now feels um, the most nourishing thing I can do. And along with uh, my lemon, ginger, honey tea
0: and my daily practice. So thanks Sounds for like that. A- Yeah, that sounds like an amazing combination of things. So thank you so much for sharing that. And also just such a good point that you mentioned with experience, right? Um, because I noticed this in myself that I love to read about things and I can just read and read and gobble up all the information. And then the real task comes about when we put it into practice. And that I think is also a lot of times when we realize some of these aggregates that may come up when we're we're trying to be good and we're trying, right? Just that word in general, like we wanna make these shifts, we wanna make these changes and we read all about them and we think we've like got this great understanding and then we go to put them into practice and we realize, okay, well, this is maybe a little different than just reading about it. Like I actually have to really make an effort and, and shift some things around. So I think that's a really important piece to acknowledge there. So I'm really glad you did that. So Thank you so much again for sharing all of the wisdom that you have accumulated or a snippet of the wisdom, really, um, and for sharing some of your sources that you're interested in. And I think this will give people a lot to think about, if nothing else. So really grateful for that and for you. And I can't wait to see you again this fall when I come and visit Peru yeah anna
1: claire i just am so grateful for our connection as well i do you are a dear dear sister as soon as you landed in casa de wow and oyente you and dan it was like this immediate um soul connect and i'm just really grateful we have that and i love nurturing it in this way and with your visiting and yeah hopefully i'll be up your way to see you soon super grateful for you sweet sister
0: Oh, well, I agree 100%. Thank you, Wen, And I can't wait to cross paths again. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Sage and Spirit. You can download more episodes and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple or Google Podcasts. For more show notes and guest information, visit DancingsageWellness.com. Until next time, take care and be well.